This is a special week for a quick timeout. Today is the first episode in our Packline Defensive Series. On today's show, we welcome back Coach Andrew Wingreen of Stetson University. During our time together on staff at Bob Jones University, Coach Wingreen was our defensive coordinator. With him being a Wisconsin native, we ran the Packline defense. Despite being a brand new program, we had some surprising successes in those early years, and a large part of it was due to our players buying into the Packline defense. So on this first episode, I thought it would be most helpful to hear from two guys who went through the process of installing the system into a new program. Be sure to come back later this week for more in our series. In the next episode, we'll hear from Coach Kevin McGuff about his version of the pack line that he runs with the Ohio State women's basketball team. And then at the end of the week, we'll have Coach Jim Boone come on to do a Q&A about the pack line. One more thing before we start, listen closely towards the conclusion of this episode. There's a special offer for those interested in some pack line defensive resources. Now on to my talk with Coach Andrew Wingreen. Today's guest is Coach Andrew Wingreen, who is currently working at Stetson University with Coach Donnie Jones. The reason I asked Coach Wingreen to come on is because when he and I worked together at Bob Jones University, he was responsible for the defense and specifically our pack line defense. Coach Wingreen, thanks for coming on for our pack line defense week. Yeah, Coach, thanks for having me. A lot of coaches are at least familiar with the pack line defense, but maybe for those who aren't in a couple minutes, could you kind of summarize what it is and how it's different from traditional man-to-man defense? Yeah, I think the, the biggest difference with the pack line is just the positioning. You know, you'll you'll often hear times uh, help side defense. Well, in pack line, our, our whole goal is to already be in help. It's not to get the help when the ball moves or get the help when a drive happens, but it's to, to anticipate where the ball's going to go and already be in help on the catch. So I think that's the biggest difference in just being able to take away paint touches and really the, the ultimate goal of pack line is to, to force contested threes. Usually we talk defensively in reference to three areas on the floor, on the ball, one pass away and help. What does each of those look like in the pack line defense? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, a lot of, you know, a lot of people who would not know a lot about pack line, if they're new to it, they would think, oh, it kind of, it's not very high pressure. It looks like a zone at times. And, you know, I think that's a turnoff for a lot of people. But the truth is, is I think pack line defense can be a, a very high pressure defense and it all starts with that ball pressure so I know when we were working together at Bob Jones uh, one of the biggest things we used to talk about is having a hand on and that's just always being within you know arm's reach of the ball handler not being too far away or too close but we really focused on moving our feet you know we called it jump up jump back but we'd always have that hand over the ball pressuring it uh, tracing it trying to create a lot of uh, confusion with the with the ball handler and by doing that it allowed our gap help so the next, you know, one pass away, we would call our gap. And that person would have one, you know, one or two feet, depending on your philosophy, inside of the pack line, which is, you know, an imaginary circle about 16 feet away from the rim. So, you know, those two people on either side of the ball would be in the gap in the pack. And anytime a, you know, a ball handler drives, they're responsible for, for staying there, being there, and a lot, you know, giving the trust to the on-ball defender to, to play hard. And then anytime we're more than one pass away, so two or three passes away, we're, you know, we're splitting the floor. We got two feet in the paint and we're just trying to take away any skip passes, any, you know, any drives that somehow get past that initial gap. Like we're really packing into the paint. And again, we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, but we're, we'll be willing to close out to shooters if that happens. But first goal is take away the paint. 
I remember, especially that first year, the the ball pressure was really key for us. And you can do things differently, of course. And I know different pack line coaches will integrate other types of defenses or full court defense or transition defense. But we actually had somebody that very first year who was able to pick up full length and caused a lot of problems. So it's, again, it's not something where you retreat and just go sit back inside of this pack line, but you, it, the ball pressure is really important. And then I think the, the one pass away, one thing that I would say that I've found to be really important that we can, you, you mentioned the closeouts, but one thing that can really help with that if you're one pass away, it's not again, just guys sitting there like in a zone facing the basketball, but having a chest demand so that they're ready to close out on a pass. And uh, we'll talk in just a few moments here about arriving on the catch and those kinds of terms that you'll hear if you're around a pack line team. And then the last one, you know, the help defense, having two feet in the paint, but again, kind of a slightly closed stance so that you're ready to arrive on the catch to, to guys that are receiving a pass. Uh, if you if we don't know anything else about the pack line defense, you know that defense influences people towards the middle of the floor. And, and I use the word influence intentionally there. I really cringe when people say forces middle because immediately there's this sense that you're not just offering the offense paint touches, but you're basically just giving middle drives. And anybody that's a traditional man-to-man coach, middle drives is like the ab- thing you're absolutely trying to avoid. So not forces middle, but when it's taught correctly, influencing towards the middle is that a fair term is that a good way to describe it and then maybe how can you prevent those middle drives that everybody's so fearful about yeah I think that you know that's going to come down to every coach's philosophy I know when I was first you know researching pack line defense and the true pack liners they're going to have you know these things they, they say know your nose and one of those nose is never allow a baseline drive and, you know, for me, that's kind of how I started out thinking. But as I grew and kind of made it into our own and we, you know, we talked about what works best for our team, you know, I don't think it's, it's something where you need to, to make that a diehard fact that we can't allow baseline drives. And I don't even think, you know, influencing to the middle or forcing middle would even be good terms. But I think one thing is we talked about on-ball pressure, you know, that we always told our guys was using the term level, level off. And we'd always want to level off ball handlers. So regardless of where he, where they drove, if it was to the outside or to the middle, we wanted to level them off to a certain spot. So if it was, you know, if they were driving from the wing trying to beat us outside, we'd try and level them off to the corner. If they were driving from the corner trying to beat us baseline, we would try and level them off to the short corner. You know, vice versa, if they're trying to go to the middle, we try and level them off to the elbows and just really keep them out of that paint. So. You know, I think that's going to have to be a philosophy, what works with you. And if you want to be a true pack liner, you know, that's, you know, the angles of your closeouts and all that are going to be really, really important to emphasize. But if it, you know, for us, I think the biggest thing was just keep the ball out of the paint. And we did that by working on our lateral quickness in the off season, using the Vertimax to really work on our explosiveness. And we just really worked on that footwork and the hand placement of what it looks like to level off a ball handler without fouling and put them to those certain places on the floor. That's a really good point. I remember us really just kind of like struggling with the fact that as much as you practice it, you're still going to end up having guys that are driving to the outside and it's, it's instilling in them that mindset of not conceding those paint touches, like you said, but instead trying to do your best to get back in front and level them off. I heard of a a coach describe it as kind of you're leveling them off to a checkpoint. So if you think about it, you've got those checkpoints down in the short corner that if you start to get beat, you got to at least level them off to that checkpoint. And then if you start to get beat middle, even 
leveling a guy off to the elbows, that checkpoint so that you don't have those deep paint touches that you're trying to trying to avoid at all costs. One of the foundational principles, according to the pack line coaches, is no rhythm threes. And so now we can kind of transition to talk now about the closeout. So let's talk what should be happening when your man is preparing to catch a pass for a shot, the closeout technique, and maybe anything else that goes into preventing those rhythm threes. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously we talked about the priority and what the, you have to really understand what the philosophy of the pack line is. And like we said, the first, first priority is to not allow anything in the paint. So, you know, as a, as an off ball defender, you have to be really careful. You know, you have to, you know, fulfill your responsibility in the gap around the help side uh, to take away the drive first. And you don't want to leave that spot too early or else you're going to give up a paint touch. You're going to give up a layup. So we want to make sure that we're pursuing what our philosophy is of the pack line. But as soon as that ball is passed, you know, we can kind of anticipate it. And if, if we practice it and do our job right, you know, we can be there on time. And, you know, we're not saying be there on the catch. We want to contest those shots just as, as tightly as possible. When I was at Bob Jones with you, you know, we had told our guys close out with our feet at a certain angle, put two hands up, short choppy steps. And I think a lot of those fundamentals are good. And I think that a lot of them are necessary. But the truth is, is, you know, the more these guys do this and the higher levels you get, your goal is to don't let them get a rhythm three and don't let them drive past you. So focus on the balance, focus on, you know, however you feel best to get your guys on balance so that they can move on the drive, but they're also not going to, you know, fly past the shooter because we don't want to just fly past and give up that drive. But balance, making sure we, we have a hand over the ball, over the shot pocket, and whether that's one hand, two hands, however you want to teach that, I you know, I've kind of loosened up on that. But I know one thing we teach at, at Stetson, we don't run pack line at Stetson, but the term stick hand and just making sure we have a hand over the ball. I think the biggest telling factor, and we've talked about this previously on, on other episodes on your podcast, is that closeout distance. And we just want to make sure that we're, you know, we try and get our guys zero to two feet. So making sure our hand, where our hand is when that ball is released, is zero to two feet, um, not two to four, not over four feet, but in that zero to two. And I know some teams, uh, there's a really good pack line team that made the tournament this year that teaches their guys 12 inches. We want our hand placement to be 12 inches from the ball when it's released. And I think that is the direct telling factor of, you know, what separates winning and what makes winning is that closeout distance. So how you get there is not as big of an issue to me as are you getting there. I would just say from my experiences and observation, you know, what he was saying there at the end is it's really on your shoulder as a coach to understand what level you're at. I know at the high school level, you know, you've heard some coaches talk about being able to identify a guy that's a driver or a shooter. The thing that I've found is, and I, I'm guessing that you would back this up. If a guy is standing out at the three point line at the college level, there's a pretty good chance that he can catch and shoot that thing. Mm -hmm. So th there's really no like, you know, play this guy if he's a driver or whatever, like if he's standing out there, you better get at zero to two feet or even those 12 inches to contest the shot. Cause there's a good chance he's going to stick it in your face. If you close out with a hand down or close out with those short choppy steps. Yeah. And just to kind of retouch on those, just to, to make that clear, you know, it, it's going to differ from high school to college to the NBA, but the average numbers, if you're zero to two feet, an opponent's shooting percentage is going to be approximately 21 to 22 percent. If it's two to four, it's going to be about 36 to 38 percent. And if it's over four feet, you're going to be in the 48 to 50 percent. So, uh, you know, those are big differences. So regardless of if you 
are late to your closeout or whatever, like you got to teach your players to make the best effort possible to close that distance as tightly as possible. And I think that's going to help with your defensive field goal percentage. Let's go on and talk a little bit about ball screen defense. So what does ball screen defense for most pack like line teams look like? I think, you know, most pack line teams that I've been associated with or that I've learned from or saw would have a hard hedge. So they would usually go over, have, have their big hard hedge ball handler defender would go under the hedge guy and then they would recover. Um, and I think that's typically how most pack line teams do it. You know, traditionally what that does is it, it maintain, maintains matchups. So you're not switching matchups and you can kind of keep that. It's keeping guys, keeping guys from getting any rhythm off those ball screens. And again, just keeping guys out of the paint because that, you know, off the ball, they have, they have really good tag help. So for that role guy, they can put a lot of pressure on the ball handler because the role guy is being taken care of with a tag and, you know, those people that are two or three passes away are just swarming that paint and not letting any, any balls get passed to that role man. So I would say that's the most traditional. Um, I know when we worked together at Bob Jones, we toyed with icing or we called downing the ball screen, just keeping the ball on one side of the floor. And again, that had a lot to do with analytics from what we were teaching our guys offensively, as we had talked about, we also switched a lot of stuff. And I think, I think switching is a very good thing to do if you have the personnel that can do it. You know, I, I would say, again, it's, it's up to you as a coach philosophy-wise, but a, a true pack line, if you're hardcore into it, is going gonna to be hard hedge um, in those situations. Just to tease a couple more episodes that are coming up this week in this pack line defense week, I've got uh, a couple coaches who will come on that will talk about some other things that they use, other defenses and coverages that they use for the ball screen that run the pack line. So um, I won't say anything more about that right now. Just tease it so that you'll come back and listen to it. So you're really good. You're really good at getting getting listeners to stay around, man. I gotta get them to come back. I got I got <laughs> something coming up at the end, and hopefully we'll get them to, to come back oh, even man. more. We'll get to that in a second. Okay, so uh, based maybe off of what you just said there, if you were the guy that was preparing to run against the pack line defense, what are you seeing that are some weaknesses or maybe some drawbacks that you would try to exploit? Yeah, I mean, I think one you know one thing that you know, if you're a pack line defense team, you kind of tell your guy, you stay in the gap and you almost stunt at the ball and you try and get them to pick their dribble up so you can anticipate that pass out and go close out to your three. So, you know, what what I've seen and is, you know, even this season we've we've played against the pack line team, but just being able to engage those gap defenders um, and kind of understanding what they're trying to do. I think if you understand their philosophy and what they're trying to do, you can kind of almost bait them into being out of position. So, you know, I think driving the gaps, even though traditionally you would say, oh man, like that's our, they have gap defenders there. Like they're all in the paint. It doesn't look like anything's open. You know, I think you can drive those gaps and almost use some hesitation and then reattack. Um, and I think you can drive closeouts really well. You know, as you, as you drive and kick, driving those closeouts is going to be huge because as, as much as the pack line teaches you to anticipate and already be there before being your help, so you don't have to get there. Oftentimes defenses are late and, you know, really those uh, driving lanes are open unless you're playing against a Virginia or a team that's just got guys who have been in the system for four years who, who know how to do this really well. So I think you can also, if you got a good post player, I think attacking the post is a really good idea to use because a lot of pack, pack line teams are going to kind of allow that post touch and they're going to swarm it, whether it's a dig or a double team. And I think when those happens, again, if you prepare for it and you anticipate what to do against it, you can really beat guys with, you know, diving your four-man or whoever doubling 
you know, whoever they double off of, sending that guy to the paint on the cut um, and really using that to get easy layup. You can also, I know one team that uses, they call it high hole and low hole, and they're trying to just, you know, have their off-ball guys as interceptors, and they're trying to bait that postman into throwing it across the court and, and stealing it. But if you position your guys the right way and they're looking for this movement, I think you can really get some wide open threes and some great rhythm shots off of it. You can attack long closeouts. So there's definitely ways to beat it. And, you know, truthfully, I think pack line takes a long time to learn. And for anyone that's considering running it, like it's not going to be something that just comes one or two years in. Like you got to have guys who are bought in. You got to have guys who, no positioning well and if you know if you're playing a team that does it and they don't have that experience there's there's going to be a lot of openings for that right away to that point that you mentioned earlier about the ball movement and attacking the closeouts constantly I remember there were a few times where at the end of a good night where our defense had played really well somebody would come up to us and say man your zone really was it was looking great tonight <laughs> yeah and, and, and you know you think about it from that perspective you teach against zones constantly moving the ball the paint touches that you just mentioned, and then keeping the defense closing out constantly, repeated, repeated, repeated. I, th- I think that the uh-huh. teams that will struggle against pack line are the ones that don't move the ball and then try to just everything's off the bounce constantly. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of coaches who maybe aren't prepared or they don't know that they're facing a pack line team, you know, they'll, they will think it's zone and they'll try running a zone offense against it. And truthfully, that's just not going to work. And I think one thing just if you're trying to figure out what defense a team is in, whether you're trying to see if they're in a matchup zone or a regular zone or in the pack line, whatever it is, you, you know, like you said, move the ball, send some cutters through the paint, just see how they rotate, how they move when the ball moves, when there's cutters. And that can kind of give you an idea of what they're in. And, you know, if, if you just move the ball side to side and, and send a cutter to the rim, you know, you're going to be able to see all oh, this teams in pack line. They're not playing zone right now. Obviously there's more to that, but just a simple thing to kind of gauge where they're at to do things like that. Yeah, I remember being the pack line team and practicing it. You know, you do the five on five shell when nobody's moving and your pack line looks awesome. And man, you're like, man, this thing's, this can't, you can't mm-hmm. penetrate this. Yeah. But then as soon as you start sending yeah. cutters through, like there, there are gaps that open up. So I would just second that. Yeah, make for sure. On that. Um, one other question that somebody I saw had asked, one of the weaknesses with it, just the ball screen defense and having potentially somebody who can screen and then pop or screen and then space and a throwback to it. And I think you're seeing Mm -hmm. some coaches now that are recognizing that. And so they do switch, which I know could be a problem if you have a traditional big guy, but these small lineups are doing a lot better with the, with the avoiding the mismatches. So that's just something to think about. Yeah, no, and I'll just jump on that. Like, I I do think, you know, going back to ways to beat it, like pick and pop, it's going to be open. So if you have a guy who can stretch the floor, that's always going to be open. And another thing, too, is run multiple actions. So you could screen the screener, do things like that. You can run guys, you know, have some false action on the weak side. Maybe you're running a, a double stagger, and really you're trying to set a ball screen. But, you know, you can take their take their tag guy out of the way. So now you have a roll option. So there's different things you can do to open up a role by eliminating the tag help just by running false actions or multiple actions. And again, like pack line is really good at, at guarding one action at a time. It, it sometimes struggles to guard a lot of movement and things going on on the weak side of the floor. I don't need you to give me your entire drill book, but maybe just some general ideas for drilling the pack line. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, anytime you can work on, on closeouts and just, being able to go gain speed, you know, work on being there on time, 
is huge. So I know one thing we used to do and one of my favorite drills, I think we used to call it three line, three man passing or three man gap or something like that, where we would have guys lined up in the corner and we would have a, you know, a manager with a ball on the wing, on the top and the other wing. And we would, every time the whistle blew, we would go close out. And then the next time the whistle blew, we'd have to get off the ball and get into our gap. And then we would, you know, next time the whistle blew, we would close out to the next spot and then we would get off the ball into the gap. And we just kept going through that on both sides. And I don't know if that makes sense on the podcast, but I can, uh, I don't know if you have a way we can get that diagram to people too, but that's one of my favorite drills. Just, you know, get, we call it getting on and off the ball. So closing out to the ball, getting off the gap. I also think just doing a lot of one-on-one, you know, anytime you can play one-on-one, put some rules in there, but working on leveling, leveling off the ball handler. So, you know, what that footwork looks like and exploding and winning the spot. We used to call it winning the spot. You know, that's huge because if you can't, if you can't stop the ball, pack line is almost going to be useless in a lot of ways. So stop the ball, level off ball handlers. Um, and again, one-on-one drills, two-on-two drills are really good for that. Um, and I think one thing we haven't talked about that needs to be drilled is our communication and what it looks like to, to fight for vision. So there's some two-on-two and three-on-three drills just with where we're sending cutters um, you know, to the rim or we're moving the ball and our, you know, our defense has to be in the gaps. They have to communicate. Uh, and I think, you know, what we used to teach was that night communication using names, information, and tone of voice, and then just making sure our guys fight for vision. So you oftentimes hear coaches say, see ball and man, and they have you point, use the pistols to, you know, point to your guys. Um, but just fight for vision. No matter where you're going, you know, you got to whip that head around and be able to see the ball and man at all times. Uh, I'll try to get with Coach Wingreen. We'll get together something, some sort of drill book that we can we can get to you. For sure. Uh, one other thing, we wrap up. I do want to give listeners a free offer, kind of in celebration of this week. We've devoted to Packline Defense. If you subscribe to the podcast, all you need to do is go to the Apple Podcast page or whichever and hit the subscribe button. Take a screenshot of that and then email me that screenshot. My email is awmiller at bju.edu. Uh, I'll send you a Chris Mack guide to the pack line and uh, hopefully it can be a kind of a resource for you. It kind of summarizes the things that we've talked about. And it also has some diagrams and some drills in there that you may find useful for teaching the pack line. Uh, and then be, of course, be on the lookout over the next few days. I'll be posting the rest of the pack line defense interviews. You, you definitely won't want to miss those coach. Thanks so much for helping me with the basics here, the pack line. Uh, it was great to have you back on again. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's always good to always good to talk with you coach. For Coach Wayne Green, I'm Coach Tony Miller. I will talk to you again at the next time out. A quick timeout podcast is brought to you by 323 Sports. If you're looking for a team dealer with great prices, top-of-the-line apparel, and second-to-none customer service, then 323 Sports has to be your choice. 323 Sports will do it right for you and your sports program. Visit 323sports.com or contact sales at 323sports.com to get in contact with a team rep today. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.